know what? I'm going to see how excited, how excited y'all really are. Because I can see some of y'all have a little bit of fatigue on y'all. Because it's the third night. Do you realize what God does on day three? Does anybody know what he can do on day three? Whenever you're wore out, tired, and think it's over. Even in the darkness of the night, he can roll a stone away on day three. And tell an angel, go and tell Jesus is alive. Are there any fanatics in the building? Are there any crazy praisers in the building? Come on, push somebody and say, this is resurrection night. I, I, I love your pastors. How many love your pastors? Come on, put your hands together and honor the man of God, the woman of God. You know what? You know what? He, there are, there are a lot of preachers I know that have a thing called false humility. Like they're like, well, I, I'm not, I know that I'm not really, I'm, and they don't believe it at all. They're just saying it so you'll tell them how great they are. But your pastor really means it when he starts acting like he's not really anything. And I, man, I'm just, I'm just, just a good old, I'm just a this, I'm just a that. Listen, let me tell you something. You have a pastor that if he was in some of the most populated areas of this nation, he would have three and 4,000 members in his church. You ought to thank God that he has stayed here to build a legacy in this house. And I came to announce something. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. Amen. And I'm glad to have my wife with me tonight. Pastor Kendall has spoken to the ladies here uh, about a year and a half ago. And just, it has been awesome. I am going to do something tonight I have never done. Did anybody know that? Never. I've, I, listen, I've preached in Cuba. I've preached in, in Russia. I've preached in Sweden. I've preached in Europe. I've pre- I preached all over London. I've preached in France. I've preached in Israel. I've preached in Mexico. I've preached in the Dominican Republic. I've preached in Haiti. I've preached in L.A. all the way to New York and every state in between it. And I've never done what I'm going to do tonight. Don't you like new things? And new seasons. You know what I said? When pastor asked me to come preach this conference, I said, I will preach it, but I'm going to tell you what God has told me. God said, one can put a thousand to flight. But two, and then Miles comes right up behind me and starts talking about the power of multiplication when it comes to two coming together. And I said, I'll preach it, but I want to do something I've never done. I want you to preach this sermon with me. So I ask your pastor to tag team this sermon with me tonight on this Friday night. And at first he said, man, I ain't going to do that. I said, well, then you're going against what the man of God said and what God said. You're going to do it. And so I don't know if you're excited about it, but you're going to get two for one tonight. Somebody put your hands together for Bishop Larry Raglan as he comes with me. Come on, Bishop. Come on, Bishop. 
Let's do this. Somebody say, let's do this. Say it again, let's do this. I tell you right now, I don't even know where it's going to go, but I feel like I'm in the ring, baby, on the WWF. Woo! Come on, come on. I'm talking about we're going to body slam some devils hey! tonight. Come on, I'm, I'm the spirit of Hulk Hogan's coming on me right now, baby. Woo! No, Ric Flair. Woo! Well, can you smell? <laughs> yeah, I'm the rock tonight. <laughs> here we go. All right, here we go. Be seated. We are going to talk to you tonight about something that I believe this conference encompasses. It, 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 and, and, and what, what I appreciate about your pastor is, is I told him what we were preaching about. So I said, you know, we're going to tag team, but it's going to be what I want to preach about. And I said, he said, what do you want to preach about? I said, I want to preach about Elevate. I want to preach about Elevate. Listen to me. Let me tell you something. Everything God Watch this, it's important. Everything God ever told his church to build, he told them to build it on a mountain. The only time he didn't tell them to build the tabernacle on a mountain is when they were in the wilderness. And it was a temporary setup. It was a teardown setup every other time they stopped and went. But every time he told them to build, they built high. Because they, God knew, watch this, mountaintop experiences do not just bring a place of victory for you because you feel like you're king of the mountain. It gives you a different perspective when you get higher. Y'all ain't hearing me. When Kendall and I flew out of Orlando on Wednesday, we drove through Orlando to get to the airport. There were 40 and 50-story buildings you drive by that make you look like an ant. But when we got on the plane and we began to elevate, everything that was bigger than us became smaller than us the higher we got. And I came to tell somebody, you might have came in here tonight and into this conference crawling on your belly wanting a breakthrough, but I came to tell you, God is about to lift you to another level and you're leaving the head and not the tail. Tell somebody, say, my destination is elevation. Second Timothy chapter 2 says these words, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me. Among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men. Who shall be able to teach others also. Watch what Paul is telling Timothy pastor. He says. I don't know if I'll be comfortable with you that far away from. Him. Bring that chair up here. He says. He says. Watch this. Obviously, there are a lot of voices happening. If there wasn't a lot of voices, Paul wouldn't have had to told, tell Timothy, and the things thou hast heard of me, I want you to focus on what you've heard about me. I want you to focus on what you hear. See, isn't it funny that Paul calls Timothy a son because only fathers could pass things down to sons. And so when we preach to you tonight, we're all in the family. And we didn't come to talk to you like church members. We came to talk to you like family members. And I don't know about you, 
But anybody else can talk about my family and talk to my family any way they want to. They can do it, but they're going to pay a price from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can talk to my family different than I allow anybody else to talk to them. And Paul is telling him, I'm going to tell you some stuff you're going to have to do because you want to elevate in this life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm going to take the first punch. Come on. Go ahead. He says in the next verse, verse 3, here it is. He says to thou, therefore, Timothy, endure, endure. Hardness. hardness. I got two amens on that. Everybody say it with me. Endure hardness. Now, I I challenge you to do something. Go home and study the original Greek of that passage. You will find something interesting. You want me to tell you what you're going to find? Endure hardness is not two Greek words. It's one. Isn't it ironic that they gave us one Greek word for two English words? You know why? Because they knew Anything you endure is going to be hard. So we may as well put them both together. Come on. And what we need to understand tonight is, is voices and focus yeah. is what will in, impact yeah. your ability to endure. Your input impacts your endurance. Are you here? George Foreman became the, the oldest man to ever win the, the world championship. The, and he did it after he had already won it two times. Came back and fought a man named Michael Moore. He had already been a pastor in Houston. When the cameras went on George, you know how they do a pregame fight? And they go in the, in the locker rooms of the fighters. George was in there and the whole locker room was lined with George Foreman grills. Boxes. Because he wanted that advertisement. And then when it, when it panned over to George, he was sitting in the corner eating a hamburger. Before the fight, when he came in the arena, he came in eating a hamburger. He got in the, in the ring and he started fighting Michael Moore. At the end of round one, George went back to his corner. And George, they put a seat, a stool out for him. And George looked at him and said like this. Move that stool. George did not knock Michael Moore out until the 10th round, but he did. He never sat down in the entire fight. In the post-fight comments, they started questioning him. They said, George, was that to intimidate Michael Moore that you didn't sit down? George said, no. He said, "I I was so out of shape. He said, I really got afraid that if I ever sat down, I would never get back up again. George said, if it intimidated him, fine. But he said, it was for my benefit because he said, I knew I was a big old fat blob of nothing standing out there leaning on those ropes. He said, but I knew better. He said, because I took lightly what I put inside myself before the fight. See, if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, you're going to have to go on some certain diets. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor. Say, if you're going to endure, 
you're going to have to watch your intake. Who are you listening to? Who are you looking to? My Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. When I saw that word despising, I thought it meant he was angry and mad at it. You know what the word despising means? To ignore. So watch this. God says, my son endured the cross and ignored the pain because endurance was going to bring him to a place of elevation. And he said these words, if I be lifted up, do I have any elevated people in the house tonight? Somebody high five two or three people and tell them, endure it, endure it, endure it. Come on now. Oh, my God, I've just been tagged by the bishop. Jesus. I don't know, but all of a sudden I have to talk like this. <laughs> Something just hit me. Endure hardness. Yeah. How many know we're gonna have to go through some stuff? Yeah. Look at somebody somebody tell them I got good news for you. News. You're gonna have to go through some stuff. My God, verse 3, in that passage that we're preaching from, says this to Timothy: Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Say it with me. As, as a, a good, good soldier. Ale in the word elevate is you going to have to learn how to live like a soldier. Come on. Somebody say you're going to have to learn to live. You got to learn to live. Like a soldier. Like a soldier. Learn to live like a soldier. Let me just tell it like it is right now. If you ain't figured it out yet, and I know you have, because I'm preaching to the choir right now, we are in a battle. We are in a war. The devil is fighting us. Our eyes have been opened to the enemy, and we don't need some mamby-pamby people in this place anymore. We need some soldiers, Pastor Chip. We need some soldiers that are not afraid to endure hardness. We need some soldiers that are not afraid to cast out devils again that are not afraid to preach the gospel instead of man's opinion Pastor Paul we need a soldier in the house of God but we don't just need somebody entitled you call yourself a soldier but Paul said you need to learn how to live like a soldier you call yourself anything but if you don't live it you ain't it I don't know if that's proper grammar or not Live like a soldier. Do you understand? You think about a soldier, they go through something called basic training. They live with other soldiers. They learn how to be a soldier. But if you ain't never been a soldier, you don't understand. You think that when basic training is over with, the training is over with. Can I tell you something about how a soldier lives? They never stop training. They never stop growing. They never start learning. They never stop knowing and learning about the enemy. You're going to have to learn how to live like a soldier. Some of y'all made it through basic training and retired. Is this microphone working? I know we got sound system issues, but is this microphone working? We've been training. We've been, we're supposed to be ready for this moment, Bishop. This should not have taken us by surprise, Pastor. 
Did he not tell us that in the last days everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains? Did he not tell us that there would be a great falling away? Did he not tell us that even the very elect would be deceived? Did he not tell us that people would listen with itching ears and listen to doctrines of man instead of God? See, it's one thing to call yourself a soldier. And you can't call yourself a soldier just because you fought a battle back in 1983. That's good preaching right there where you say amen or not. Some of y'all living off of victory. Huh? And it was a victory. I thank God for what he did in 1983. But this is 2020 if you hadn't figured it out. You need a 2020 anointing. I don't know about y'all. I thank God for heritage. I thank God for the men of God that's gone before us. I, th- I studied them. I, I, they are mentors to me. But I got news for you. I'm just getting a little bit tired of reading about what happened with, with Billy Graham and reading about what happened in the tent revivals with Oral Roberts. I'm ready to see it happen in my church. I'm ready to see it happen in my house. I'm ready to see it happen in my workplace. I'm ready to see some soldiers, some old Roberts soldiers. Some rod parsley soldiers repair the breach. Where's the, where's the repairs of the breach of this generation? Where's the men of God that'll look the devil square in the face and preach like the men and women of God used to preach? See, there could be no setup, no better setup than what Bishop just said. You're going to live like a soldier. What they do is they make you in training, endure hardness. Huh? Them Navy SEAL training, I mean, you would, most of them tap out, they can't make it because they put you in situations that take you to the brink of death that the human mind usually can't happen, can't process. I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe in this, if 2020 has done anything, it's exposed the soldiers. If 2020 has done anything, it's exposed the pretend and the real. I want to say this and I'm going to tag the man of God. God did not allow 2020 to happen the way it did if he did not believe in the midst of 2020 he had some soldiers. Because why would God let all hell unleash an attack against the kingdom of God unless he knew he had a remnant that was ready to respond? And I'm going to tell you something. They're not responding from chandeliers in the foyer. They're not responding from 5,000 seat sanctuaries. I'm going to tell you some of the soldiers that are standing up is praying grandmas that nobody even knows who they are. That's been on their face before God saying, Lord, send revival. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a shepherd. And David became a king. But before David became a king, and after he was trained as a shepherd, he had to learn to live like a soldier. Listen to what David said in Psalm 144, and I'm on a tag. It says this, Blessed be the Lord of my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. 
Would to God we'd have some people in the house of God that wasn't afraid of a fight. I'm, star- I'm tired of seeing people run for the mountains. How about this? How about instead of us running from devils, we live like a soldier and start running after devils. We start going after them with a preemptive strike, baby. Yeah. If we're going to have destination elevation, we're going to have to learn how to live like a soldier. Somebody shall live like a soldier. And it doesn't surprise me because this same Paul that is talking to Timothy, he said, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the fiery darts of the enemy. Get the helmet of salvation. Get the shield of faith. Get your breastplate of righteousness. Get your feet shod with the preparation of peace. Get the sword of the spirit. I ain't got nobody saying nothing. Come on, somebody. And I heard an old preacher say, did you notice it was all frontal uh, 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 armor? That's because we were never to retreat. But that ain't what I found out. The reason the armor is only in the front is because they never went to battle just shoulder to shoulder they went to battle and somebody always had their back tell somebody next to you if you're going to live like a soldier have my back verse 4 is this alright everybody say destination Elevation. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So Paul tells Timothy, you're going to have to endure hardness like a soldier. And then he says, and if you live like a soldier, you can't get entangled because entanglement is entrapment. Now, this may be a little funny for y'all, but we ain't joking around tonight. Entanglement is entrapment. We We are in some trouble tonight in the body of Christ as a whole because now... Our tabernacles have, have been turned into televisions. And the messenger is the media. And the message is fear. And the church is walking in faith. Because they're believing what the messenger is telling them. And operating in a spirit of fear. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me. That's all right. One of the things that I have come to understand is this. We have, we have majored on getting people to come to the altar and confess that there is a God. And we've said that's the most important thing we could ever do as a church is get people saved. Get them to the altar so that they can confess there is a God. And what we've produced is believers that don't believe. You say, what are you talking about? They believe there is a God, but we've never trained them how to believe God. See, I can believe, uh, if somebody says, do you believe that there's a Tracy Hutchinson? I'd say, yeah, 
I believe there's a Tracy Hutchinson. I know Tracy Hutchinson. I have a relationship with Tracy Hutchinson. And I'm going to say something just hypothetically. But they said, well, so, so you do believe there is a Tracy Hutchinson. Well, yeah, I do believe it because I know Tracy Hutchinson. But let me tell you this before you go any further. I don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth. You ain't never known somebody like that. You believe that there's a them, but you don't believe anything they say. I'm by myself. Y'all don't know somebody that you don't believe. If you say if their mouth's moving, they're lying. So it's possible to believe in somebody but not believe somebody. Are you here? Tell your neighbor, say, don't get entangled. It's a trap. You say, Bishop, how do you know that the church don't have people that believe what God says? Well, I can prove it one way. 2,000 years ago, everything Jesus did got canceled six months ago by COVID. Everything we believed for 2,000 years was totally canceled in six months. That's plain as I could say it. See, who you believe will determine what you believe. Whose report do you believe? Who are you listening to? Are y'all hearing me, man? Isn't it ironic that the word says, he that hath an ear. Wait, that's not normal. Because why would he say he that hath an ear? Why wouldn't he say, hey, if you have ears, because ears come in twos. Why would he say one? Why would he go from plural to singular? Because he wanted you to understand, if you're going to hear by the Spirit, you're going to have to cut the other ear off. Because you'll hear one thing from God, and then you'll hear something else. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. And it'll entangle you, and it'll trap you. And the Bible says, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and let him not think that he shall receive anything. Entangled. Hey, have you heard the latest? Hey, have you heard the latest? Hey, did you see that article? Hey, did you see that on did you see that on, on Facebook the other day? Hey, did you see did you hear that on CNN on, on Fox? Hey, did you were you watching the news last night? Hey, did you hear what the governor said? Hey, did you hear this? Hey, did you hear that? Hey, did you hear this? Don't you wish people would do that after Sunday service? Don't you wish people would leave church going, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he told us? Did you hear what he told us to do? Did you hear what he said was going to happen? 
I was in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years, and, 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 and I, get, I get information from Columbus, Ohio. When I moved, I, I, I put uh, some things down, and, and I started getting the Columbus dispatch, and it was sent to me by way of Internet. By, and now it's on Internet, but it was by, they would send me the paper. And then they called me and asked me if I wanted to switch. I said, yeah. Then I, just, I read it every now and then. The other day I walked up and said, it says, Columbus dispatch interviews the high bishop of the Amish country. And it drew my attention. And I looked down at it, and a reporter went to the, to the, to the largest Amish uh, community in America and spoke to the high bishop of the Amish community. And you know what the, 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 re the reporter from the Columbus Dispatch did? He went to this Amish bishop, and he said these words to the bishop. He said, I got a question for you. He said, he said how come there's not one case of, of COVID? Nobody's died. Y'all have not brought anyone to the emergency room. Y'all haven't had any symptoms. None of that. How have you accomplished that? You know what his answer was? He said, we don't have TVs. Ain't nobody saying nothing. He said, we don't have TVs. He said, and we don't listen to radios. And he said, we don't do any of that stuff. So he said, the only thing our community hears is what comes from me. And he said, the only thing I tell them is what comes from him. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. So we have silenced the outside world and we've elevated the in. Y'all ain't hearing me. Don't get entangled. The other day I was interviewed by a, nam, a man very popular in America, in, in American journalism in the African-American community. His name is Roland Martin. Maybe y'all know who he is. One TV, Roland Martin. And they interviewed me and they stacked the deck against me. They had four national pastors, names, bishops. If I named them, y'all would all know them. They've all canceled their services. They've all shut their doors. They've all, and not only now... They're, they've turned the corner of shutting their door, and now they're, they're, they're sending out their venom and their anger to preachers that have opened theirs. Are you with me? So they've, they've shut their doors, but now they're coming after preachers that have opened theirs, saying we don't care about the congregations, and we have no, we have no feelings toward the, the safety of our congregations. Are you with me? We've, got, we've gotten so entangled We've gotten so drawn in to what the secular society wants us to believe and wants us to fear and wants us to be afraid of and wants us to walk by. And when they got me on the, on, uh, in the show, all, all four of the pastors were against me. And they kept just throwing stones at me and saying things and setting me up. And, well, do you, are, uh, in most of your congregation, African-American? Yes. Don't you preach in mostly African-American uh, 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 churches and, and avenues? Yes. In your music, da, 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 da. yeah, 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 you're right about it. Well, then you of all people should be more sensitive to what's going on and what this d disease has the ability to do, this virus. And I'm sitting there listening to them. And they said, they said, they said, well, you know, why are you doing that? Why are you opening your doors? I said, because I believe good news, not the news. And I looked at them and I said, and Bishop, I preach at your church two or three times a year. Bishop, 
He has a church. This, this one bishop has a church 10,000 people. And every time he was out of his pulpit, he'd call me to go fill it. I mean, I, I went in and filled his pulpit in his absence. I said, I preached in your church. I told the other one, I preached for you. I told the other one, I preached for you. I said, I'm stunned. I'm confused. I said, let me tell y'all something. If you're going to keep to this agenda, and if you're going to stand on what you're saying tonight, then when you get back to your church, if you ever do, please, for God's sake, at least go in your Bible before you get back and tear out all the scriptures that you used to hoop on and modulate on and preach on and get everybody jacked up over. Don't preach if God be for me. Who can be against me? Stop preaching. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Stop preaching by his stripes. I am healed. Stop preaching if God be for me. Who can be against me? Stop preaching. Greater is he that is in. If you're going to preach, at least have some integrity. Well, my portion was over. That interview ended real fast. You know what the problem was? Entanglement. Entanglement. Who would have ever dreamed after 27 years of ministering as a pastor that I could not stand in my own pulpit without dodging stones and say the words, all lives matter. Oh, that, that hit somebody wrong. I don't know. See what I'm saying? For God so loved the world. Everybody matters. Now, if systems and if organizations and political parties and certain police stations and certain democracies and certain communities don't put the same value on people because of the color of their skin, then that has to be handled by the people of the community. But don't drag that philosophy in this building and start telling me we got to start elevating certain people in the church. My Bible says there's neither Jew nor Gentile in the house. And I had one of those preachers look at me and say, well, I'm never going to apologize for being proud of being born black. I said, well, what color were you the second time you were born? Ain't nobody saying nothing to me. Come on, we were, you did have a second birth. You did have a new start. And old things passed away. And all things should have become new. Tell somebody, endure. Live. And don't get entangled. You ready, Hulk? Verse 5. My God, preach it, Bishop. Jesus, I'm telling you right now, I see a theme going here. Watch what it says right here. It says, and if a man, somebody say, if a man. If a man, if a man is striving for masteries, yeah. yet he is not crowned, uh. 
except he strive lawfully. Right. Now I see a theme going here. Paul is telling Timothy, if you're going to walk in the call that's on your life, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to go through some stuff. You're going to have to make sure that you ain't listening to voices. You're going to have to make sure that you ain't getting tangled in the strategies of the enemy. Yeah. Can I tell you, that's what happened when the, when the spies were sent in by Moses to scope out Jericho that Bishop was talking about earlier, they sent them in. They sent them in under the under the direction of God's chosen man. Do you think God would have chosen a man and tell that man to tell them to go in and look? He knew it was the promised land. He knew he, his people had the power to fight and get the victory. But when they got there, they started getting entangled in what they saw. They got entrapped in what they felt. I'm telling you, they begin to see nicer uh, military things. They begin to see things that they didn't have. So they begin to hear the voices saying, you can't do this. We're racing chariots on the top of this wall. All you are is pathetic little peasants walking around for 40 years in the middle of a desert and you think you're going to take us. Well, you know they got trapped. You know they got entangled because they came back to the same man of God that they heard God say tell them to go and just so we'll know what we're looking at when we get there and they said we can't do it pastor we're like grasshoppers they're like giants but I thank God that there's everybody don't fall for the trap hey I thank God we got a generation that ain't falling for the trap hallelujah Can I just say one thing right here? Yes, sir. They said something very prophetic. They said we are as grasshoppers in our own sight. Yes. Well, what those idiots didn't realize is grasshoppers have wings. So I don't care how big somebody is. If I got some wings. Going to fly, baby. Well, I'm going over it. We're going to elevate. Shout elevate. Elevate. Jesus. Let me tell you something, God don't send you into a battle if he ain't got you ready for victory. Huh? Let me tell you, when you get a crown, that signifies authority. I want to tell you what V stands for. Victory. Somebody say victory. Victory. Brings a crown. Brings a crown. I tell you, when you win the battle, you win the dominion. Oh, you hear me? Do you understand when you go in to occupy, that might not be a country that actually wears a crown, whether they put a crown on your head or not. When you go in to defeat an enemy, you take dominion of that territory. And in in the invisible realm or even in the natural realm, that victory will bring a crown. I got news for you. Do you know what Corona means? Crown. It means crown. And I tell you right now, what we don't realize happening, maybe this folks, these folks realize it, but right in the middle of everything, pastor, we got a church that has given up a crown of righteousness and and are wearing the crown of the entrapment, the crown of the enemy. And y'all gonna tell you something, Corona don't actually mean crown. It means wanting to be a crown, desiring a crown. We've traded in true authority to submit ourselves 
to a natural Caesar authority and we've forgotten the kingdom authority. Oh, I'm preaching better than some folks shouting in this place. I don't know about y'all. I don't only have a savior. I have a king. Huh? Are y'all hearing me? Huh? I thank God he saved me. But when he went, listen, go back and read the red letters. Go back and read the story of Jesus. He only told Nicodemus, he only talked about being born again one time. But everywhere he went, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached the kingdom. John the Baptist preached the kingdom. Jesus preached the kingdom. Peter preached the kingdom. We have forgotten to preach the kingdom. We are preaching a crown that is not the crown that God intended us to walk in. You want to elevate? You better get the right crown on. Come on. I said you better get the right crown on. Come on. Some of y'all need to. Some of y'all need to take the Corona crown off hey. and put the Kingdom crown on. I wish I had somebody. Hey. I got. I got. See, the our King ain't just a King, David. Our King is the King. Oh y'all did y'all I wish I thought everybody knew that. Our king is the king. king. Say it again, our king is the king of kings. How many knows that means he's got the crown over all other crowns? crowns. Every other crown is a corona. Come on. Oh y'all didn't hear that? Every other crown is a corona. This ain't nothing new. It ain't shocking that the name of this virus is is just revealing to us what the devil's been trying to do ever since he said, I'll ascend above your throne. I will rise above the mountain and I'll make myself God. That stupid devil has tried to wear a crown from day one, but he's an idiot because Jesus said, you might strike my heel, but I'm going to crush your head. Head, baby, you a fake crown, fake crown. I, I, I gotta see the Bible says in Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, He's given them power to become what the sons of God. Okay, ladies, the sons and daughters of God. How about this, the children of God? But you got to be led by the Spirit. You got to be led by the right crown. You got to be led by the right authority. See, you hear this lie. Can I just be real with y'all? Come on, me and Bishop just going ahead. We just, we just cutting things left and right. I might as well just go ahead and say everything's on my heart. I'm going to cut something right now. I'm sick of hearing this thing. God is love, so therefore, everyone is his children. No, 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 no. God loves every single human being that was created in his image, but those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Oh, God's a good God. He'll bless everybody. His favor's on everybody. I got news for you. His, his, his blessings, his grace and his mercy is on every believer, but his favor is not. Some of the most depressed, dejected, mean snakes I've ever known in my life are in the church. They got authority. They deacons and demons. And come on, are y'all hearing me? They, 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 they got titles. They got crowns. But they're all coronas. I got. I know. I feel. I feel. I got a tag. I, I, it's coming. It's coming. Let me tell you something. If you're a son or a daughter of God, does that of a king? Guess what? That makes you royalty. 
Huh? Even the prince wears a crown. Even the prince, his throne might be a little bit smaller, but he's got a throne. He sits right next to his daddy and his mama. And everybody knows, man, you don't mess with him. That's the king's boy. But here's the problem. The devil ain't scared of the church anymore. Because some of the churches are being pastored by devils. Check one. Testing. Testing. Genesis 1.26 said, we're going to make man in our image. And the very first thing he did after he breathed life into him, he gave him dominion. The domain kingdom. He said, I call you a kingdom. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that we are a kingdom of priests. Can I tell you something? Quit calling yourself a sinner if you're a child of God. You were a sinner. You might still sin, but every time you keep calling yourself a sinner, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, that's a trap. You've been entangled in a word from the devil trying to take your authority, trying to take your victory. I'm preaching better than you shouting. Do you understand the word victory is a military term? You can't have victory without a battle. There's no such thing. And I tell you something else. Peace is a military term. You can't have peace unless you was in a fight. So I got news for you. Some of y'all want some kind of fluff, some word. Y'all want Pastor Paul, Apostle Paul to give you some fluff word. Let me tell you, he raised up his spiritual son. He said, son, let me tell you something. You're going to endure hardness. They're going to set traps for you. You're going to have to fight some devils. And you're going to have to understand that if you want to walk in victory, if you want to have a crown, you're going to have to live and walk it out the right way. I pray for a church that will stand up once and for all. Take their authority. All power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. For I have received power to cast out devils. Freely I have received. Freely I will give. Somebody shout, it's time for me to elevate and take my crown because I got the victory. Leave that up there right there because I need about 30 seconds shouts going to happen up in here. Do you see that victory right there, that V right there? That is the same shape in your throat. There is uh, uh, there's the, uh, the hyoid bone is in your throat, has that same shape. When someone is choked to death, when the breath is taken out of them, a, a, a coroner will look at the hyoid bone to see if it was crushed. And it takes about 3 minutes and 30 seconds to smother somebody after breaking the hyoid bone. Isn't it funny that one of the words for praise is a cupped hand so we can look like that so that when we walk in here and start lifting up our praise it's us putting our hand around the devil's throat and squeezing it with our shout. Squeezing it with our I need about 30 people to give him a crazy shout. Shout victory! Victory! And let me show you something. Let me show you something that the church hasn't learned yet. You do know that God knelt his knee down in the crusty surface of the earth and created man out of the dust of the ground. 
So we ain't nothing but dirt bags anyway. That's what we are. But the bottom line is, watch what he said. He said, they came to Jesus. They said, how do we pray? Because they knew pray, prayer framed power. Prayer brought power. Prayer brought a presentation. They were watching miracles, and they knew it came from prayer. And so Jesus told them how to pray. He said, this is how you do it. Come on, y'all ready? You know, it's what they refuse to do now before the football games. Jesus said, our Father. Stop. It's the kingdom that he wants to come. But the problem is, 95% of the people in here did not pray that prayer correctly. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth, not on earth. Because he knew his will wouldn't always be done on earth. But he knew there were going to be a certain amount of remnant that would allow his will to be done in earth. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, but God wants to do something in you that's not happening around you. And it's going to bring you the victory you've been believing for. Somebody shout, God, do it in me. Endure hardness. Live like a soldier. Entrapment comes out of entanglement. Victory brings a crown. Verse number, where are we? Verse 6, we're almost there. We're almost done. We're not spelling elevation, so y'all don't have to worry. We're not going to be like Miles. Verse 6, the husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. He shows something that's, he wants you to understand that what you're going to get is going to take sweat. I don't know, how many women have ever had a baby in here? Hello? You know what? The last thing you want is to hear us. Saying, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it, baby. You want to just reach out and grab the hyoid bone and squeeze. Why? You're in labor. So we understand that we have to endure hardness. Live like a soldier. E, entrapment. Entanglement is entrapment. Then, Then V, victory is our crown. And then we come back to the A, addition is God's objective. He says, you're going to be able to eat from the fruit of your own labor. Let me say it again. Addition is God's objective. If you'll ever understand that addition is God's objective, you won't worry about adversity. Because adversity don't start S-U-B. It's not subversity. It's not this problem is going to take something from you. It's I allowed this problem to add something to you. It's my adversity is going to add something to me. 
Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. I had a lady tell me in my church the other day after I preached, and I was preaching, you're going to survive the storm. You're going to survive. She told me, she goes, Pastor, the devil, devil hadn't messed with me in 10 years. I said, well, that means y'all walk in the same direction. Y'all have the same game plan. Y'all have the same agenda. Y'all have the same destination. If the enemy is not trying to stop you, then you're not a threat to what he wants to stop. But, but, but somebody said, well, why would God allow this? Because addition is always his objective. If we're going to cry over corona, then my God, don't ever read the book of Job. Because the Bible says Job lost his family, lost his finances, lost his, his, his friends, lost his physical body. He lost everything. And then on top of that, started having marital problems. And while he was going through it, Job didn't know what God had planned at the end. He had to just keep pushing in the middle. I'm preaching at my church this Sunday. Praising while persecuted and worshiping while wounded. Why? Because I know when I get to the end, it might hurt right now. I might have lost some stuff. I might have lost some people from my church. But by God, can't treat Job any better than me. I won't double for my trouble. Ruth lost her husband, lost her father-in-law. She's picking up scraps out of the field, but she don't realize that the very field she's laboring in, God is going to give it to her. I wish you'd look at somebody and say, hey, addition is God's objective. Hannah, there's a reason you're going through your trouble. Because that woman that's living in there with your husband that has given him two children running around the house, guess what, Hannah? By chapter two. I wish somebody could live through chapter one. Come on, look at somebody and say, if you could just survive chapter one, you get to chapter two, Hannah don't get two kids, she gets five kids. Leah! Her daddy had to hide her to marry her. I don't know if you've ever been that ugly. But that's what the Bible says. Nobody wanted her because of the way she looked. And the Bible said she was weak-eyed. Now, I'm from Louisiana. We call that cock-eyed. In other words, Leah could drive and see down both sides of the street at the same time. And her daddy put a veil over her face so Jacob wouldn't know he was marrying her. How does it feel? What type of self-confidence would you lose if your father came in your bedroom and said, I'm going to marry you to Jacob. And Leah, you know Leah looked at her daddy and said, Dad, he's in love with Rachel. He's worked seven years for her. What is he going to do on our wedding night when he takes his veil off and he sees me? Her daddy said, it'll be too late. Dad, I don't want somebody to have to take me in, in secret, in darkness. You don't have to do that to me. I'm humiliated. Well, I can't ever get you married until I do it so I gotta do it you don't think that poor girl coming down the aisle had low self esteem felt terrible about herself didn't have any kind of confidence in her life at that moment she was at her lowest point and Jacob wanted Rachel and he ended up with Rachel and all through those years the Bible says and God 
saw Leah and he had compassion on Leah. And watch this. The Bible says that what Rachel couldn't give Jacob, Leah could give Jacob. Come on, somebody. She was ugly, but he went back four times. She was doing something right. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, hold on through this problem. God's addition is God's objective. Before it's over, you're going to be blessed like you've never been blessed before. I came to prophesy to somebody in this building. Don't think God isn't going to reward your sacrifice for being in this house when the world says you're crazy. I said your blessing is about to be multiplied. High five five people and tell them you're about to get your addition. Give it praise. How how many wants an addition in their life? Jesus. Woo! We almost there. We almost there. Huh? We almost there. I think we ought to spell elevation. Huh? I'm feeling elevation. Just keep preaching. I'm getting hungry. Okay. <laughs> Verse 7 says this. Hey. Consider oh, I like this. what I say. This is my favorite one. I right wish here. I could have preached. Oh, I got this one, Bishop. I'm All sorry. Right, go I got ahead, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Consider what I say. And the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Come on. Hey, what 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 did the word of God? In all your getting, yeah. get understanding. I tell you what, when God went to Solomon and said, You can ask me anything you want, and I'll give it to you like no one's ever had. Something inside Solomon said, but more than gold, more than riches. More, although he had a lot of wives one day, he even said, more than women, what I want is your wisdom. I'm going to tell you something. What we need more than anything now is for understanding so that our eyes will be open. Come on. T in the word elevate is this. When we do this, when we consider the words that he says, things, all things will become clear. I'm telling you, what we, what did we do in 2019? Every preacher that's a preacher. I don't that's care if the they're truth. Pentecostal. I don't care if there's Baptist. I don't care one God, two gods, so help me God. Come on, somebody. They all said, 2020 is the year of perfect vision. 2020. Woo! We're gonna see things clearly. Yeah, you're oh, clear. am I preaching right, Bishop? You, if we could roll back in time, and if we really knew what we was prophesying over ourselves. I wonder how many preachers would preach 2020 vision because if they could see then what they're seeing now they would have probably not wanted to see it but I got news for you I'm glad I can see it I got we, we, we started a hashtag in this church we're trying to make it go viral hashtag I love 2020 I'm tired of people rebuking 2020. I'm tired of hearing people say, Lord, just get me to 21. Listen, it is what we ask for. It is clear clarity. Things are becoming clear. Oh, we might not like what we see. We might not like the church that we see now. We might not see the condition of the race, uh, racial relationship that's in our nation that's been covered up and swept under the rug. We might not want to see the division that's been in this nation for years, but I'm telling you, the scales from the eyes have been removed. 
Woo, I'm preaching good. I ain't lost my voice like this since the tent revival days, baby. I hadn't felt this come up since the tent revival days, baby. I might just run out there and start running the back of those pews just looking for some devils to cast out because I can see them right now and I know who's got them. I remember when I was first gotten married, I was determined I was not going to be wearing no glasses. Everybody I work with, everybody in my family, they, you try to show them something, they'd say, hold on just a minute, hold on just a minute. I feel so sorry for them because I said to myself, I wish they had eyes like me. I don't need glasses. I don't do this. I'm good. But something started happening. My wife started bringing stuff in and, and she's trying to get me to do something. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, you are blind. I was like, what are you talking about? She goes, you, I've been telling you for years, you need to go to the eye doctor. I looked at her and I said, let me tell you something. I got 20-20 vision. I know I have because that's what they told me the last time I went. Huh? I went there. I'll never forget it. I sit down in that chair like all y'all have. I was, I was thinking to myself, you can slide that thing up on top of my head. I don't need it. I got this. They got up there and they said, what's better? A or B? One or two? B, two's a little bit better. Pretty good. A, one, two, A, one. Kept going, kept going. I was thinking, where's this thing going? Instead of getting better, it's getting blurrier. I need to just get up here and walk out of here. And But then all of a sudden he said, C or D? I went, Oh, my Lord. Come on. Do you remember that moment? How many remembers that moment? All of a sudden, in a moment, Bishop, in a moment, I realized there was a world that I thought I could see that I had convinced myself that I could see clearly. I had convinced myself that I didn't need no help. I remember driving home that day going, oh, I was reading road signs, 4.2 miles. I mean, I was just like, I was saying to myself, my God, is this the way people live? Are y'all hearing me? I was like, you mean I was really supposed to see that sign before I got right up on the exit? This is incredible. I walk, I'm telling you, when I had them glasses on, I was walking like this, man. It made everything magnify. I felt about two feet taller. I was walking around. I was going, uh-huh. I was reading shampoo bottles. Are y'all hearing me? I mean, I was walking in a room. I was reading cereal boxes. I'd, I'd, I'd set them up on the refrigerator, and I'd just walk back. I'd walk back. Hydroglobin, all these, all these different elements and ingredients. I was like, my God. Are y'all hearing me? The thing that's bad about vision, if you don't continue to have them checked and corrected, oh, y'all are hearing me. You will get entangled and you will fall into the trap that what you see is true. Huh? What, you'll even fall into the trap when you read the word of God. Things won't look the way they used to look. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
You remember when you used to believe any sickness that stood before you had to bow to the name of Jesus? You remember, oh, y'all are hearing me. Y'all remember those days? You remember the days when your baby came in there with a fever and you said, come here, baby. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. Somewhere along the way, that changed from, come here, baby. We're going to pray to Jesus. Honey, where's the Tylenol? Where's the thermometer? I think our baby's got a fever. Would to God you'd have a wife or a husband or somebody in your house and call. Well, if they got a fever, pray. Jesus. The conformity that is being pushed on us at this moment is to cloud our perception. They are pounding a new normal. All a new normal is, is a new set of glasses that they're putting on us and trying to tell us and teach us and program us that what we thought we, we thought we were seeing good, we couldn't really, can I be real with y'all? We wasn't woke. So they're putting woke glasses on us. But we ain't getting woke to spiritual warfare. Why y'all getting so quiet? We just call I said the word woke. We ain't waking up to the battle. Huh? They don't even want us to see that. These glasses have a purpose. Instead of us seeing things clearly, it's making things cloudier. Huh? We are being programmed. I tell you, every morning, I'm, I'm blind as a bat, y'all. Every, y'all. But I can't wear glasses. I got to wear contacts. Every morning, I put them contacts in my eyes. I tell you, without fail. I don't know why. I don't know. The older I get, this happens. I have to take them back out and wash them again and put them back in. Because something happens in the middle of the night. I get stuff in my eyes because I wear hard contacts, if y'all know about that. And, and, and it causes it to be cloudy. They're clean, but they're still cloudy. And I'll look in the mirror. I've, every morning, I have to do this. I'll do this. I'll look. And almost every day, one eye will be clear and the other eye will be cloudy. I have to pop that eye back out, rub it again. Come on, y'all hear me. Put some pressure on it again. Run it up under the water again. Stick it back in my eye. And then all of a sudden, I can see things clearly. The ultimate goal of this push and this moment is to push us down instead of allowing us to elevate. Huh? It's to keep our feet on the ground. Every time an attack comes against this nation, the first thing they do is ground the airplanes. Every single attack comes. The first thing they do is keep us on the ground. I'm telling you, that's a natural uh, example of what happens. When a spiritual attack comes, the world tries to ground those that want to fly. The ground tries, the world tries to say, you ain't going up, honey. You're going, you need to stay right down here. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep your head out of the clouds. I choose not to participate. I'm almost ready to tag you, Bishop. Listen. Romans 12, 2, very famous scripture. Do not be conformed to this world. Now watch this. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now listen to this. We preach, preachers, about not conforming to the world. 
We preach about being transformed by the word of God, the renewing of our mind. But very few preach after that comma because here's what I want to tell you. That if you're not conformed, if you don't conform to this world, if you allow your mind to be transformed by the renewing of the word of God, then you will be able to prove everything that's good, everything that's acceptable, everything that's perfect, everything that's the will of God. In other words, how about this? When you do this, when you do not conform to the world, you are able to see, pastor, what is good. You're able able to see with proper vision what is acceptable. You're able to see what is perfect. You're able to know and see the will of God. In other words, if you're conforming to this world, what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God will never be clear to you. If we're going to see if our destination is elevation, then we've got to be transformed in our mind. We've got to see clearly what is really going on. Everything you see with these eyes in the natural right now, if it is not coming from a kingdom filled, kingdom anointed preacher of the gospel is to distract you and cloud you and not let you see. We need clarity if we're going to elevate and this is my last letter, so I, I'm going to take two more minutes. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout, I want to see what you want me to see. Y'all remember that story where the prophet was in the tent just chilling, watching the ball game? Maybe not. That's what I've been doing if I was the prophet. Watching the ball. He's, he ain't worried about nothing, but he's surrounded by enemies of the, in the thousands. He's in a tent with the door closed. But he can see clearly. Oh, y'all didn't get that. There's a, his assistant is sitting outside in the sunshine, able to see clearly the situation. But he is blind. He comes back into the prophet and says, we are surrounded. It is over. They are on horses. The hills are full. They're coming to get us. Prophet says, what you, what, you want me to go ahead and tell them, God? You just, want, you just want to let them deal with it for a little. I want to, you, you want me to let laugh for a little bit longer? You want me to go ahead and tell him? God says, go ahead and tell him. He, he says, son, go back out there again. And then the Lord says, God, open his eyes. His eyes open. And the hills were filled with angels with flaming swords. There were more for us than there were against us. The last thing I want to say is this. In this day and time, if our destination is elevation, and we're, deca- we're declaring that things will become, all things will become clear, what you see is what you will tell others you saw. Oh, you didn't hear what I just said. What you see is what you will tell others you saw. In other words, what you tell others you saw is the story you will tell of this moment. So what will your story be? Because I got news for 2020 is going in the history books. The next generation, if the Lord don't come back, they're going to talk about 2020. 
And if you're still alive or we're still here, your grandkids going to crawl up on your knee and they're going to tell you, they're going to ask you about what their teacher was talking about and they're going to do the math in their head, Bishop, and they're going to say, Papa, were you alive in 2020? Papa, tell us what it was like. What will our story be, Bishop? Will we say, well, you know what? That was the year that the church fell apart. That was the year that we lost all our freedom. That was the year that I lost some of my best friends. That was the year that my pastor quit. That was the year that I just gave up. That was the year that I lost my business. That was the year that I went under. Or will your story be, that was the year that God finally showed me what I'm supposed to do. I finally got the vision. I finally saw what God wanted me to see 2020 was my year when all things became clear somebody shout the year it became clear verse 8 through 10 and we're done remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of of David was raised from the dead elevated according to the gospel wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer I wasn't one but I got the I got the results like I did like I did it even unto bonds I was put in prison when I didn't deserve to be put in prison but the word of God is not bound The word, I got what I didn't deserve. But God's word could still get past what man could not get past. Watch this. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation of which is in Christ Jesus eternal glory. Everybody say everything is for his glory. Listen, we're done. Listen to this. Things become clearer and God will use things for his glory. Now listen to me carefully because we're we're, we're finished up. So so take a chill pill. Here, Here it goes. You better hear this. If you don't hear anything else when you walk out of here, remember this. Listen, oftentimes we miss, we misread things and we give glory to people that don't deserve the glory. We give credit for, to people that don't deserve the credit. I remember growing up as a little boy all my life. I heard this. I heard Peter had enough faith. At least Simon Peter had enough faith to step out of the boat and walk on the water. And preachers preached it all the time when I grew up. How great Peter was and how he stepped out on faith. And they can laugh at him if they want to. Because he went and sinking into the water. But at least he stepped out of the boat. And we preached sermons about stepping out of the boat. We had, we had, we had sermons where we'd put boats on stage and shake things and have thunder and lightning. And say, I'm not staying in this boat. I'm stepping out on faith. And I'm going to believe God's going to do it. And one day I was reading it and God said, you have put the glory in the wrong place. 
And I said, Lord, I don't know what you're talking about. And God said, go read the story. And the Bible says in the book of Matthew, the Bible says Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Are you listening to me? It said he fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus said to them, go get into the ship and go to the other side. And the Bible says that he went up to the mountain and started praying. And when he got up to the mountain and started praying, the Bible says, and he looked and saw them. It was dark, but he saw them. It was dark, but he saw them. They couldn't see him, but he could see them. We can't see sometimes out of stuff, but God still can see into our issue. And he came walking on the water. And the Bible says that the winds and the waves had become contrary to the ship. And the Bible says that when Jesus came walking in the night, that they were afraid. And they said, this might be a spirit. And Simon Peter said, after Jesus says, be of good cheer, it is I. Simon Peter says, if it is you, bid me come to thee. So watch, Peter walking on the water was not Jesus' idea. Peter walking on the water was his idea. So Jesus said, it's I. Come. He started walking on the water. And the Bible said, watch, when Peter saw that the winds and the waves were boisterous. Wait a minute. When they were all 12 in the boat and the winds and the waves were blowing, the Bible says it was contrary. Contrary means the, at, at the opposite direction. Jesus says go this way. The problem came this way. But when Peter stepped out of the boat, the wind became boisterous. Now it's coming from every direction. And Jesus said it is I. And Peter says, if it is you. And when he started walking on the water and saw the wind and the rain was boisterous, he beginning to sink. Jesus reached out his hand. Listen to me. And as he lifted Peter up, he said, oh, ye of little faith. I ain't hearing nobody say nothing. You know why? Y'all are as stunned as I was when I when I because I always thought Peter had the greatest faith. But Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. You know why he said that? Because Peter wanted to get out of the boat, and the only thing Jesus told them was to get in it. Y'all ain't hearing me. Watch. Go read your Bible in the book of Matthew. The Bible doesn't say the winds and the waves were threatening them. It said it was beating on the boat. Isn't it funny that the, y'all still ain't got it. Isn't it funny that the attack that came from the enemy was attacking what Jesus told them not to get out of. 
Let me come to the other side. Maybe somebody will get it. Maybe it will light or come on in your heads, preachers, that the enemy says, hey, I need you to get out of this thing because there's trouble in the church. There's problems in gathering. There's problems in assembling. There's problems in this. And what it has done, it has caused people to get out of the church. And that's what is being attacked. It's not the people. It's the structure that God told us to get into and to stay into and to stand into and to have faith in and it was never Jesus' intention for Peter to get out of it. Watch. If Jesus would have been impressed him and Simon Peter would have just kept on walking to the other side of the lake. But Jesus the Bible says turned him around and marched him back to the boat and got in the boat and the waves and the winds went still. I believe when the church gets back that's when the trial is going to end. We better learn how to stand in this time. I'm done. How old is that? How old is your little boy in the red shirt? Seven. Is he shy? Will he come up here with me? Yeah, tell him to come here. What's his name? What's his name? Seba? My God, that's awesome. Zeba. Come up here, Z. Yeah, come here, Z. I'm not going to hurt you. Come here. Come here, I'm going to show you something. Watch this. I'm going to show you something that happened. Watch. My son is back there. His name is Taylor. He's 28. How old are you, Seba? Seven. He's two years older than my son was when I'm going to tell you what's going on. My son and I, watch. Come here. Come here. You come here too, buddy. Stand right here in front of me. Stand right here in front of me like this, yeah. You, you stand right here in front of him. Watch this. One day, me, Seba, and my little boy, Taylor, who was about your size, we, went, we all went to Disney World. I'm going to show you how great of an, uh, of an experience it was because it's the last time I've been to Disney World. The last time I was at Disney World, my son was this size. And now he's 28 running the sound back there. But watch this. We got in these lines, and it wasn't like it is right now during COVID. We got in these lines, and Disney knows how to punish you. Disney, it's 100 degrees. I, first of all, I was so ignorant. I went out there in July. We're burning up, Zeba. Give me a hand right there. We're burning up. And, and, and I mean, I have, I, we are in a line, and Disney gets so, they get so mean to us. You'll step by, and it'll say, it says, you are 45 minutes from riding the ride. Like it's something exciting. And Taylor, my little boy, Zeba, my little boy Taylor, he was crying uncontrollably. His head was soaked and wet. I mean, we were sweating. I was sweating. Everybody was sweating. I mean, it was terrible. And he was crying. And he was crying and crying and crying and crying. And that was, you know, that was the days whenever it, it had just turned and you could no longer beat your kids. You remember when we could beat our kids? Now, black folk ain't never stopped beating their kids. But, but, you know, but we found out, white people found out that you could pinch your children. So I'm pinching, I'm fussing, I'm squeezing his hand, I'm shaking. You want me to bring you home? You want to get out? Boy, I was just so aggravated. You need to hush up. You hush it up. 
before I take you in the bathroom. I'll tell you right, just stuff like that. And then, Zeba, this is what I did. I did something. I thought, well, I got to, you know, he just wouldn't stop crying. So I knelt down by him. And when I did, for the first time, I got a glimpse of everything he was looking at. All of a sudden, I realize I have a different perspective than Taylor. Taylor has a stinky perspective, or at least potentially stinky. Taylor, Taylor is in a tough situation. So I came down, Zeba, to where Taylor was, where you are, and I realized when I got to where Taylor was, what Taylor was dealing with. So I did this. Watch this, Zeba. I did like this. I picked Taylor up. And I did like this. I elevated Taylor. And when I elevated him, Zeba, my little boy Taylor, he looked over there. Look over there. See that light over there? He looked over there. He said, Daddy, Daddy, do you see it? And I said, yeah, I see it. Now it's 45 minutes away. It's 100 degrees. We're right there in the behinds of everybody just in the line. But Taylor all of a sudden got excited. Taylor all of a sudden got, got pumped up. Taylor all of a sudden got a, 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 a new lease on life. Not because my condition changed, but his position changed. And he was elevated. He got elevated. Now watch. So I looked at him. And I said, Taylor, can I put you down? He said, yes, sir. I said, you're going to be all right? He said, yes, sir. And boy, look here. He got down here and he was dancing around me. And he was singing. And he was saying, oh, we're headed to the ride. Oh, we're headed to that ride. Why? Look, when I put him down, I put him right back down in the same place he was. I didn't change his condition. I just changed his position. And all of a sudden... He started praising and getting excited because he got a glimpse of where we were going. He could handle where we were. Y'all didn't hear me. When he got a glimpse of where we were going, he could deal with where we were. And I can't, I wish somebody would help me preach. You can jump up on your feet if you want to right now. Some of y'all can jump up on those pews and just step up over your issue. Because I got news for you. If you just get a glimpse of where God's taking you, you'll let God put you right back down in, in 2020. And you'll say, but God already elevated me. Thank you, guys. God already lifted We. Got quiet real quick up in here. Listen to me. Isn't it funny how much authority God thought we would live in? Isn't it funny? Because he didn't say we're standing. He said we are seated. Elevated. What is wrong with us? We are seated in heavenly places. 
We have been elevated. Not in the natural. Stop trying to see in the natural what you can't see in the natural. Look through spirit eyes. Are you here? Start elevating your conversation. Start elevating your anticipation. Somebody asked me at my church the other day. He's on staff. He looked at me and he said, he goes, well, he goes, you want me to tell you what I think is going to happen? I said, no. He's on my staff. He said, you want me to tell you what I think is going to happen? I said, no. And he just kind of looked at me and goes, no, really? I said, no, really? I don't. And he looked at me. I said, I already know what you think. You've said enough through the years for me to know exactly what you think. I don't want to hear a bunch of negative stuff anymore. It ain't doing us no good. I want people around me that have elevated vision. Because everything we go through, everything we endure, everything we learn, everything is for His glory. It's for His benefit. It's for His sake. Not for ours. I will not let my condition change my position. I see it coming. I see it. I see it. It's, it's, it looks like a ladder. Not a ladder you climb on. A ladder as in next. Like my latter shall be greater than my former. You know what Kendall and I are having to learn? We're like every other church. We got people leaving our church too that have left our church. You know what I've got come to learn? It's not who's left, it's who's left. We ain't focused on who left. We're going to focus on who's left. Where's Seth Elby? Where's Seth Elby? Everybody standing on your feet. Come here, Seth. Come here. Come here real quick. This is Seth Elby. He has some friends, and one of these ladies, that's his friends, she was working for one of these great designers that had, I mean, million-dollar business, right? And they, had, they, were, they were using material. And this girl started, that Seth knows, this, her family, they, this girl started working for this, these people that dealt in, in, in unbelievable materials. And she walked in one day and noticed there was a big box in the back of the warehouse where they were working. And they were, they were cutting things on the patterns and throwing that, that, that uh, material in that box. And her mind went, a light came on. And she went to the owner. And she said, do you mind if I, if I take those remnants? You know, the, the ones that you cut off that you didn't deem any, any more valuable. See, the value in the box, the material don't lose its value because it's been put somewhere else. It's, the, it's cut from the same cloth. She started taking this material 
And she started sewing this material together and making trunks, boxers, and selling them online. Selling them online. And Seth was talking the other day. Seth, tell him the name of the company. Royal Heinies. Three weeks ago, she sold Royal Heinies for $37 million. Why? She saw something in the remnants that they thought was only in the best. And I came to tell you, God is elevating the way you see yourself. He's elevating the way you think about yourself. Come on, look at your neighbor and just say, you didn't realize I'm a royal hiney. Lift your hands in this place. Father, elevate us to another level. Bring us to another place in you. And I pray the rest of this weekend of Elevate will be just that, Elevated. We will endure hardness. We understand that we're going to have times of hardness. We're going to do it. We're going to live like a soldier. We understand that if we get entangled, we will be trapped. We understand that victory is the crown. We understand that addition is your objective. We understand that things will become clearer. And we understand that everything is for your glory. And when we get it all, we have elevated our hands. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said amen and amen. Let me tell you something. You will never go to another level without a sacrifice. I want everybody to get an offering in your hand tonight. You can give by way of text. You can give online. You can give by credit card. If you have an envelope, you can give cash. And listen, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. It never said he didn't like an uncheerful giver. So go ahead and give if you're not cheerful. We don't care here at The Rock. We'll take it whether you're cheerful or not. But everybody be seated for a moment. Get your, your offering in your hand. Get it ready. Bishop, you come on up. Get it ready. How many were blessed tonight? Tag team brothers. Amen. Come on, somebody. Give your bishop a God bless you.